After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to join us here this evening as we contemplate those mighty acts by which you accomplished our redemption. We trust that you have kept your promise and are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. Jesus was thirsty. So let us remember, Jesus is on the cross. We are three sentences from the end. He's just seen John and his mother Mary together in the crowd of shocked observers, and he asks them to care for each other. Woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. And then John writes, After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, I thirst. Broadly speaking, it is a a new heresy to claim that Jesus isn't really God. In other words, the idea that Jesus is just a great moral teacher or some guy who lived long ago and said some really important stuff about loving other people but probably wasn't actually the divine son of Almighty God, that idea is a relatively new one. The first Christian heretics, not the first Christians, the first Christian heretics, these are people who are trying to be faithful Christians, but who get something profoundly wrong. The earliest Christian heretics never doubted Jesus' divinity. In fact, it was Jesus' humanity with which they had a problem. You see, there was a prevailing idea around in the several centuries around Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that there was a great moral distinction between the spiritual realm and the carnal, worldly realm, between the ethereal and the real, between the heavenly and the earthly. Heavenly things were beautiful, and clean, and earthly things were ugly and dirty. And the religious project then was to try to separate oneself as much as possible from the carnal things, the worldly things, the earthy, dirty things, and to try to get as much as possible into the spiritual world, to separate yourself from the earthly and to become connected to the spiritual. The idea was to exist completely, if at all possible, in the spiritual realm. So when Christians start
started talking about the incarnation. God coming to earth to be a man. The claim that Jesus was a human person who was physically born with all that that entails. I mean, have you ever seen a baby born? There's nothing more earthy than that. It's beautiful in its own way, uh, but in another perhaps more accurate way, it's kind of gross. And that Jesus might have done things like go through puberty with all of that attendant awkwardness, that he stepped in dirt and had to wash his hands and feet, that he might have gotten cut and bled, that he, God forbid, might have gone to the bathroom. These things would have been impossible for people to accept that a God could come to earth and do these things. They wanted to follow Jesus, but this was just too far to go. To them, God's separateness, his otherness, was his most defining quality. He was not like us. He was there, and we were here. And we were to do all we could to get from here to there. That's what religion was all about. Cleaning oneself, purifying oneself, getting from the dirty to the clean, getting from here to there, getting from earth to heaven, getting to God. But now, I thirst. And with those words, Jesus erases all doubt. He is one of us, a human. He thirsts. One of the readings that we read on Palm Sunday from St. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 talked about Jesus not regarding equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead humbling himself. And I thirst is proof that that is exactly what Jesus was doing. Equality with God, something that Jesus actually had, remember, John begins his writing by saying that Jesus, the Word, was in the beginning with God and in fact was God. So this equality with God that Jesus actually had, Jesus sets Aside. In other words, Jesus doesn't stay on the God side of that holiness, dirtiness divide. He lowers himself, subjecting himself to things like thirst, to things like blood and dirt and fear and agony and torture. Things like death. Recall that at his arrest, he admitted that if he wanted to, he could command a legion of angels to come to his defense. But he didn't. He wasn't going to show everyone how heavenly he was. He was showing them how human he could be. So human 
That in the garden he prayed the prayer that every single one of us would have prayed. He prayed for the Father to relieve him of this terrible duty. But not my will, he said, but yours be done. And with the words, I thirst, Jesus completely upends the idea of a disconnected God waiting for his dirty creation to clean itself up. In coming to earth to be one of us, to live as one of us, to die as one of us, to fear like one of us, to thirst like one of us. Jesus makes it clear that God is not sitting on the other side of that chasm waiting for us to get our act together so that we might get to him. Those early Christian heretics sort of thought of Jesus as like a hologram, a a, a lure sent here by God on the end of a fishing pole that we would seek out and want to be like, and he would sort of gradually reel him back in so that we might follow him back across that heavenly divide and get from dirty to clean, get from carnal to holy, get from earth to heaven. Be like this guy, they imagined Almighty God saying, that's how you'll get to me. And God would slowly reel his hologram Jesus in, hoping we'd be smart enough to follow. But that's not good news. That's not good news at all. If Jesus is a hologram, he does no good for us. The good news is that Jesus Christ himself is God's rescue mission to us. The incarnation, Jesus coming here to fear like us, to thirst like us, to live and die like us, means everything to us. And his final Exclamation that it is finished is the announcement that God's rescue mission is complete and a complete success. But with the prevailing religious thought of the day and the prevailing religious thought of so much of today, such a success is no guarantee. When the disciples thought after Jesus' interaction with that rich young man, if you recall, who said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, follow the law, do all the good things. And he says, I've done the good things. And Jesus says, oh, really? Sell all you have. Give everything to the poor. Come and follow me. And that rich man went away sad. The disciples saw that it must be so hard to get across the divide. They said to Jesus after that interaction, then who can be saved? Who can do it? Who can make it from here to there? And Jesus says, for man, it is impossible. 
If God was happy to stand pat on the other side of that chasm, waiting for us to do something to get to him, it would never happen. That's what Jesus says. With man, it is impossible. But thank God Jesus isn't done. He says, with man it is impossible, but not for God. For God, nothing is impossible. And Jesus himself is how God makes it possible. In Jesus, God crosses that chasm to us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is life. And now it is finished. Jesus' humanity, typified by his thirst, shows that he is really here amongst us sinners. He is, but for that sin, one of us. He is really suffering up there on the cross. In this moment, he has become the sin of the world. And yet, he can atone. At the end of this service, we will ask Jesus to set his passion, cross, and death between God's judgment and our souls, now and in the hour of our death. We'll ask that he give mercy and grace to the living, peace and rest to the dead, and to us sinners, everlasting life and glory. And that is what he's doing, even now. He is bearing God's judgment in himself. His passion, cross, and death are placed between that judgment and our souls. His blood is really being shed. His body is really being broken. This is really happening for you and for me. Jesus was thirsty. He was really there. His real presence and his real suffering announce a wonderful gospel. You are really saved. Amen.